Did you know they used to insulate houses with horsehair and newspapers? Besides being a little gross, it sounds like a fire hazard. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. I love house projects. The house we lived in prior to this one was built in 1900, which was perfect for projects. What wasn't perfect was this, though. There was a Google at that time. There was only this old house. And my old house and this old house didn't always line up. Though I'd tune in week after week and learn some skills. Okay, probably watch some skills would be a better rendering of that sentence. I was not learning anything. It's kind of like when I watch basketball during March Madness. I like to watch and watch and watch and watch. And then I start thinking I can do some of those moves. So I get on the court during youth group or something. And in my mind's eye, I'm going to drive to the basket while doing a quick spin move as I switch the ball from one hand to the other and then just lay it up into the basket. In reality, however, I get disoriented when I spin and feel a little nauseous, so I either have to pivot and pass or trip and travel. In this same way, I can watch this old house and think it'd be easy for me to do what they do, but in reality, not so much. I have so many good ideas and so few skills. I'm like an imbalanced teeter-totter or seesaw, depending on what part of the world you're from or part of the country, I guess. Because in France, you'd have to say, Vassier. Or in Spanish, it's Tambla, oh, wait, Tambaliarse, I think. Tambaliarse. That might be close. It might not be. For me here in Minnesota, it's teeter-totter, okay? My, my big ideas would sit on one end and weigh it down, and my lightweight skills would be on the other side, keeping the project in the air suspended. Undone, unless someone with more skills would be able to hop onto that other side to help me out. I didn't start out that way. I started out with a win. In fact, my first idea tricked me into thinking I was skilled. You see, my first idea was a very, very small one. Our house had a partially brick facade, and the rest of it was vinyl siding, which called me crazy, but I thought the brick on the front of the house should be a gray taupe to match the siding and not a strange orange-red. Now, I'm all for a little pop of color. I'm all for a contrast color, but these two colors did not complement one another. They fought. So I had an idea that matched my skill level, something in my wheelhouse, an easy fix. We already had had gallons of gray paint that we were using to paint some foundation stones around the back. So when Kenny went across to chat with the neighbor, I rarely chat with the neighbors. That's a, That's Kenny. It's like he's running for office. But well, it's actually more like he's friendly, and he is. <laughs> our current neighbor kids, like now, see him drive up the alley into our garage and they start yelling, Hi, Kenny. Hi, Kenny. If I'm with them, they say, Hi, Kenny. And wait, what's your name again? <laughs> if I'm not with them and I drive up the alley, we just politely smile or wave at each other when I get out of my car and then I walk right into my house. So, Back to the previous house with our previous neighbor and the previous time when Kenny was being friendly. 
and I was staying in my own yard, I randomly just painted a few bricks out front to see what it would look like. Not bad. So when Kenny came back, he realized, oh, look, looks like we're doing a project. The older three kids ran around the yard, the baby sat in his baby swing, and I painted the faces of all the bricks one by one. And in the end, they looked great. And I fancied myself skilled. Not too long after that, I remember talking with some people over dinner. They were guessing what the floor might look like underneath a carpet we had throughout the whole main floor of our house. I hadn't thought of that before because I had no intention of having a wood floor throughout my home at this point. The kids were little. The twins were four. Greta was two. Timothy was a newborn. There was lots of running and lots of activity and lots of cars and toys and noisy stuff. And I remembered thinking I wanted to keep the carpet to muffle the sounds and to prevent myself from having to sweep corners and shake out rugs. But a carpeted front entryway did seem a little ridiculous, I started to think. So... One evening, when Kenny left to drive our sitter home, I grabbed hold of the corner of the carpet and started to pull. Eventually, the carpet was pulled up and the wood floor in the entry was exposed. In case you're wondering what kind of wood, I'm actually not sure, but it was not really, really hard. You could, like, scratch it with your fingernail. So, good thing there was carpet on the rest of it, right? So, Kenny comes back, and I told him, okay. I started a little bit of a project. All you need to do is finish this carpeted edge, figure out how to do that, and just do it on the other side of the pocket door, and maybe sand on this floor, and we'll be set. And he did it. He was good at it. He added just the right amount of weight to the other side of the teeter-totter. And a monster was born, and a trend had been started. From that point on, whenever Kenny would go on a youth retreat, I would take that whole weekend, and I would start a new project. One day, he came home and found a pile of wood sitting in the driveway. I remember him coming into the back door, walking in and saying, So the wood, where is that even from? It doesn't even look familiar. And I told him, guess. And he couldn't guess. So I said, walk around the house and try to find it. It's a project that I've started, and I think it's going to actually be a real easy finish. So he looked and looked, and he couldn't find it. Eventually, I had to tell him, Look in the boys' room. And in the boys' room, it had been a, a kitchen for a while when the house was used as a duplex, which it wasn't now anymore. But I, in the boys' room, I said, open the closet door. And he opened the closet door. And usually you would open the closet door, and as you take your first step into the closet, you would take a step and turn to the left, and then there would be a steep staircase straight up that went into the attic for storage. Well, we didn't have much room for hanging clothes, and I thought, man, you know what? If we didn't have this stairway here, we could put these rods across and make a closet. And then I remembered Kenny had put a pull-down stairway in a previous home in our garage. So I thought, that sounds like something he'd love to do. So I got a hammer, and I just started whacking out these stairs, just hitting them as hard as I could. And some would break. Some didn't come out as easily. I needed to saw some. But eventually, I got them pretty Pretty much all removed. So Kenny came back and saw this demolished closet. And I told him, now all you need to do is put up one of those hanging staircases, which I found out wasn't quite as easy as I imagined, since it wasn't like a regular size space and he had a lot of work he needed to do there. So that was one project. Once again, big idea, no skill. Strong start though. Well, I'll start. <laughs> Lack of finesse in the final stretch here. All right, I just want to tell you about one more. I'm not going to do all of them. 
So don't you worry. There's plenty, plenty more. Another time Kenny went on a retreat, I decided I wanted to surprise him and redo the walls in the bathroom on the main floor. The bathroom was small, really small. It had a toilet and a tub and a sink, and it sat right off of the family room. The family room on the main floor used to be a bedroom, and this bathroom at one point I think was a closet. As you walked into the bathroom, you thought, pink, because it was pink. The sweet lady that lived there before us clearly loved pink. I decided I did not. So I started chipping away at the pink plastic tiles that were glued on like white on rice to our plaster walls. The tiles came off, but unfortunately, so did the plaster. And pretty soon the walls were down to the studs, which didn't look like normal studs today. Instead, I found thin pieces of wood, some standing up like soldiers, some, you know, laying down were horizontal. And in between all these little thin strips of wood were hunks of, oh, <laughs> grosses me out still to say it, hunks of horse hair and newspapers that were just shoved between them, which was clever and apparently useful, but in... 1992 or 93, whenever we were there, that just felt a little bit gross to me. So I chunked off all the walls and I threw out all the debris. I closed the door and I waited for Kenny to get back. I wanted to surprise him. I did. <laughs> he came home and I couldn't wait. He had no idea when he left that he would come home to no pink tiles. He also had no idea he was going to come back to no walls. I prepped him for the big reveal. No, I wasn't like knocking. There was like a hole to the direct outside, right? Okay, it was just all the plaster walls were gone. I prepped him for the big reveal. I prefaced it with something like, while you were gone, I had an idea. And he looked at me with, I don't know what you would call it. Let me think. Not anticipation, really. At least not in the good way. Probably more like dread. <laughs> we walked to the family room and I saw him kind of looking around like up and down at the floor as we were walking. And, and then I paused right before I opened the bathroom door and I said, do you remember how much you hated the pink tile? And I swung the door open and said, did you know they used to insulate houses with horsehair and newspapers? That seems like a fire hazard. I think it's a good thing I took it out. And I'm thinking white beadboard would look super cute in here. You can do that, right? And sure enough, a few days later, it was done. <laughs> These projects have continued like this our whole married life. And now we're kind of used to it. In fact, he started doing it too. Like when I go out speaking on weekends at a retreat or conference or something, Kenny is now doing projects. Like last time he painted a table for my parents' new place and he replaced a broken window in our garage. I mean, the difference is he finishes his stuff. But other than that, it's exactly the same. And this reminds me also of what we read last week in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Bear with me for a bit as I explain. The verse says this, For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. It is God who, who provides the desire and the skill, right? He is working in us to will and to work. Let me read it again a little bit in context. I'm going to read Philippians 2, 12 to 16. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation 
among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. God is at work to will and to work. I'm not talking about house projects now, just to let you know. <laughs> I'm talking about life, life itself, working out, not for, I remember, working out our salvation. Living in obedience to what God has called us to do. We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling, out of respect for who God is and what he has done for us. It's like life is a project. Life itself, as we follow God and his plans for us. We said last week that we might have a strong start, but then fade away for lack of will. Like, it, ah, it no longer seems fun. I don't feel like it. I'm bored. I may be worn down. But that's not the only reason why we might stop walking in the way God has designed for us. Sometimes we step short because we realize, wait a second, I can't do this. This is above my knowledge level. And... This is above my ability. And that's really valid. We can't. We actually absolutely cannot live life the way God has designed for us to live it on our own. We need to rely on God's ideas and God's abilities to be at work in us and through us. Hebrews talks about this too. In Hebrews 12 too, it is exhorting us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. As we live life, we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the source, the idea, and the perfecter of our faith. Our source, our faith is sourced in Christ himself. Christ has provided us with faith because he gives us exactly what we need to believe in because he is who we need to believe. We need to believe in him. We need to believe that he is the one in whom we need to place our trust. Our Christianity, our following Christ, is God's idea, a big idea, and he is the one with the skills to perfect it as well. It was God's big idea to create a people who would worship him with who they are and what they do. It was God's idea to create male and female in his image, to live life with him and for him. When left to our own devices, we wreaked havoc and exposed ourselves to sin. We started the demolition project with a vengeance and did not have the ability to rebuild. So God took his creation and continued to work his plan and came to earth himself in order to perfect the plan and to perfect our faith. The word perf perfect here means complete or finalize. God's work was completed. It was made perfect. It was finalized on the cross and after his resurrection. We place our faith in the knowledge that God created us for his purposes and his pleasure. And we place our faith in the work that was completed on the cross for our behalf. This whole process requires us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus as we do so. Paul said something along these lines earlier in his letter to the church at Philippi 2. We had looked at um, Philippians chapter 2 when we first started. But in chapter 1, verse 6, Paul wrote this, I'm being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We are on a lifelong journey. The projects in our lives are never done. Our life projects are not up to us to choose, nor do they rely on us for completion. It is God who is at work in us, both to will and to act according to his 
good purposes. God is the author and perfecter of our faith. God, who has begun a good work in us, will carry it on to completion. Wait, when is this completion? It says, until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When Christ returns, when our lives on earth are over, his work is made complete. And then we will be in heaven, literally living our best life. Living the life. What is our best life? Living the life that God intended for us to live. Living the life that our author has written for us. That our enabler, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enables us to live. So in the meantime, what? What's the deal? In the meantime, we allow him to direct our steps. We trust in him with everything we are, as it says in Proverbs 3. We trust in him. We don't rely on what we think we know. We don't rely on our own skill level. We don't rely on our own good ideas. We bring this all before the Lord. We rely on him. And in the meantime, we might wait. Or we might walk. <laughs> we might run for office. We might write a book or preach a sermon or pray for a friend. We might feed someone who is hungry or do one more load of laundry. Throughout life, we might express doubt or the ugly side of our personality as God continues his work. We might apologize or we might accept someone else's apology. We might tell someone we need help or we might offer to help someone in need. Our journey is as long as God would have it, and as long as we are on it, we are called to be dependent on Him to enable us to want and enable us to work according to His good purposes for our lives. 